Brethren, Psalm 23 might be one of the most well-known psalms and maybe one of the most well-known chapters in your entire Bible. Uh, many have committed this psalm to memory, and undoubtedly, some of you know this psalm. You know it. Some of the verses in here are very familiar to you. Whether you've been a, a Christian for a few days or you've been in the Lord for several years, you know parts of this psalm. And uh, this psalm, brethren, has, has brought such great comfort and joy for God's people throughout the millennia. This is a good psalm, brethren. It speaks of God's tender mercies toward His people. His care for you. His care for His bride, the church. Brethren, even unbelievers know this psalm. And they like it. I, I have a friend who has, he's not a Christian by any means, but he has this psalm tattooed on his side. It brings comfort, brethren, to all people. Though, I would say very sharply here, it does not apply to him because he's not of Christ's sheep. But nonetheless, uh, unbelievers like this psalm too. Even pagan rappers use parts of this psalm in their music. It's very well known, brethren. Very well known. Charles Spurgeon calls Psalm 23 the pearl of psalms. The pearl of psalms. Alexander McLaren, who's a Baptist minister and commentator from the 1800s, he says this about Psalm 23. He says, The world could spare many a large book better than this tiny psalm. It has dried the tears of many and supplied the mold into which many hearts have poured their peaceful faith. This is a psalm of comfort, brethren. This is a psalm, as I have said, that, 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 that has really stirred the hearts of God's people. And it has been, brother, my prayer this week that it would stir your heart. That you would see Christ. That you would see Yahweh, your shepherd. And that you would pour your peaceful faith and trust in Him more fully, brethren. I want you to see here the, tender, the tenderness of God and how He cares for you this morning. And it would do us well, brethren, to, to memorize it, to meditate upon it, and in response to this word, brethren, to rejoice. To, rejo to, to rejoice. And I want to dive in now this morning, brethren. Well, let's look at why, at, at why and, and, and what makes this psalm so great. Yahweh is my shepherd. Verse 1 there. The shepherd, brethren. This analogy in the Scriptures is rich. It is a rich analogy, brother. One of shepherd. Think about with me here for a moment. All the shepherds in the Scriptures. This is just to name a few. Jacob was a shepherd. Joseph was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Amos, he's an Old Testament minor prophet. Amos, he was also a shepherd. A lot of shepherds in the Bible. The birth of Christ was announced first to shepherds in Luke's Gospel. Shepherding, brethren, was, it, it, it was lowly work. It was, it was work often done by the youngest son. You think of David. Where was David out? He's out shepherding the sheep. The youngest son of eight. Shepherds, it was their job to care for the sheep. Constantly. <laughs> Constantly. All day, all night, in the biting frost of winter, in the blazing heat of summer, hail, wind, rain, what have you, brethren. The shepherd was always, always with his 
sheep. The shepherd provided care, protection, provision, guidance, nourishment. Everything fell into the hands of the shepherd. And listen, for the sheep, for the sheep, life and death was in the hand of the shepherd. If the sheep were left to themselves, brethren, they would die. That'd be this, that would be the end. Sheep are utterly dependent upon the shepherd. They're needy, brethren. The sheep need the shepherd. And without him, they, they, would, they would die. They would perish. And, and brethren, for us this morning, this is a beautiful picture of the intimacy and the care and concern of our God and how He stoops down, so to speak, brethren. A God, we talked about this on, on, on Wednesday, a God who is so high and so lifted up in Isaiah 6. The train of His robe fills the temple. Remember Isaiah's vision of, of, of the Lord there. This God who is so high, He's so magnificent, yet He comes down and He condescends to be with His people, to shepherd His flock to care for his own church in a deeply personal way in a deeply personal way though the shepherd shepherds the whole flock he knows each sheep by name by name personal care brethren deeply personal the shepherds concern and care for the sheep now notice here Yahweh is my shepherd. Brother, we don't have just any shepherd. Yahweh is my shepherd, David says. Yahweh, the self-sufficient, eternal, all-powerful, omniscient, holy, good, gracious, merciful, the God full of steadfast love and kindness, brethren. He is the shepherd of the sheep. It's Him the Creator and King of the universe. <laughs> the head of the church is the shepherd. Not just any shepherd. Yahweh is the shepherd of His people. In Psalm chapter 78, verse 52, speaking of the Exodus account, the psalmist says this, He, Yahweh the Lord, led out His people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. Yahweh is Israel's shepherd. He led them. Led them out of bondage to Egypt. Led them out of bondage to slavery through the Red Sea, through the wilderness where He provided for them water from the rock. Remember Moses hit the, hit, struck, the, struck the rock and, and water gushed out. Water for His flock. He fed them daily with manna, the bread from heaven. Cared for His flock watched over them to bring them into rich pastors, pastures, the promised land, the place of rest. Isaiah speaks about this shepherding of Yahweh in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, with another exodus about to happen. Remember, God's people were in bondage in Babylon, and God's going to come and, 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 and do a new exodus. And, and, in, and in, exodus, or in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, he says this, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom near to him. 
near, brethren, and gently lead those who are with young. Oh, church, the tenderness of God. The tenderness of our God to come and to rescue His people and to care for them. Gathers the little lambs in His arm. Holds them close. Gently leads those that are with young. He's not a harsh master. He's gentle and lowly. And lest you think He is soft. He's not soft. He's not a wimp, so to speak, brethren. The verse before this, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10, says that He comes like a mighty warrior to crush His enemies. And then He's gentle with His people. And in that, brethren, we see a beautiful picture of the shepherd king. A beautiful picture of biblical masculinity. One who's a warrior. Who's a savior. Yet, gentle and lowly, leading the flock of God. Tender with them. Tender with them. We saw in our Old Testament reading in Ezekiel chapter 34, in light of these false shepherds, under shepherds, true, to, to the true shepherd, right? We have, we have under shepherds to the true shepherd, those false shepherds who did not care for the flock. They did not protect the flock. They took advantage of the flock. Ezekiel chapter 34. They did not care for the sheep. And what did Yahweh say? He said, He Himself will come and rescue His sheep, and He will lead them, and He Himself will care for them. Now David says here, Yahweh is my shepherd. But brethren, can we say the same thing? Can we say Yahweh is my... I mean, David here. David had a special place, as we know, in God's redemptive plan. He is, he is a type of Christ. He was the King of Israel. He says, Yahweh is my shepherd. Can you say, Yahweh is my shepherd? And I say this specifically, brethren, for, because of this. There have been people, I don't know if you've noticed this, on our, when, when, when Aaron posts our sermons, especially in James, people, and we have, you know, there's a lot of subscribers to the channel, whatever, and people have been commenting on there recently that the book of James does not apply to the church. That the book of James is not for God's people. That's for some other kind of people. Brethren, I'm going to tell you right now, that is garbage. That is false. And don't you ever let people steal the Word of God from you. Can you say Yahweh is my shepherd? Yes. You know why, brethren? Not just because. I've got to have an understanding of this. Brethren, in John chapter 10, Yahweh incarnate comes. The Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ comes, brethren. And what does He say about Himself? Remember, I, remember Yahweh said in, 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 Exodus, or in uh, Ezekiel 34, I myself will come. Well, how's He going to come? How, how does He come Himself and care for the sheep, rescue the sheep? Here comes the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's the Good Shepherd. And He comes, brethren. And He comes to rescue His sheep. And He comes to lay down His life for the sheep. And He has other sheep that are not of this fold. That's you and I. And He must bring them also. And He will gather all His sheep into one flock. And there will be one shepherd of the sheep. Brethren, Jesus Christ is your shepherd. So you could say, Yahweh is my shepherd. This is your psalm, brethren. This is yours. You make this psalm your own. Yahweh is your shepherd. 
Don't you ever let people steal the word of God from you. He is your king. He has come for you to rescue you, to deliver you, to care for you, to provide for you, to lead you and to guide you. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. I call them all by name. Mirka, Lydia, Hannah, Giovanni, Sergio, all of you. He knows you by name. He is your shepherd. He is. He's the good shepherd. We can say with David, brethren, we could say with him, Oh, Yahweh, you're my shepherd. Now, how is Yahweh shepherd? Oh, this is good stuff in here, brethren. How is he your shepherd? Notice first, he provides everything for you. He provides everything for you. I shall not want, or nothing shall I lack. Oh, brethren, with Yahweh as your shepherd, with Christ as your king, we have no lack. With, we lack nothing, brethren. And without the shepherd, without his, his, his caring and his providing, we would lack everything. We would lack everything. But with Christ, we lack nothing. Oh, brother, we're utterly dependent upon Him for everything. And we got to see that. We got to see that. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that Yahweh, He is God. It is He who made us, not we ourselves. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. He made us. We don't make ourselves. We're utterly dependent upon Him. It's in Him that we live and we move and we have our being in Him, brethren. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7. Moses, in Deuteronomy 2, 7, Moses recounts God's dealings with Israel. Remember, He's preparing them to enter into the promised land and He's recalling and, 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 and teaching the people what it's like to be God's people and what God has done for them. And listen to what he says with God's dealings with Israel in the wilderness. He says, For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. Nothing. For 40 years in the wilderness, as God disciplined His people, even in the midst of that, they lacked nothing. Nothing. And David is confident. Brother, he's confident that God will meet his needs because he submits to Yahweh. He submits to the Lord and to His Word. Brother, that's where the confidence comes in. When we follow Christ, when we follow our shepherd, we can confidently say, hey, oh, we lack nothing. We have nothing to lack. Psalm 34, verses 10 and 11. You can actually turn over there. Psalm 34, just a couple pages over. Verses 10 and 11. Listen to what David says here. Starting in verse, I'll read verse 8. 8, 9, and 10. He says, Oh, taste and see that Yahweh is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Oh, fear Yahweh, you His saints. Why? For those who fear Him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek Yahweh lack no good thing. Oh, what a promise for you, brethren. 
what a promise for you that as you seek after the Lord, as you submit to His Word, we have promises. Oh, we lack nothing. <laughs> and you can testify to that, church. Over and over and over again, your God has provided all that you need. From little things, to a car, to a house, to, to, to grace and strength, to salvation, to everything. <laughs> everything. You have no lack. You have no lack. But brethren, listen. If as a sheep, you run off from the shepherd, if you don't listen to the shepherd's voice and you, and you, and you run away from him, then the shepherd can't provide for you. <laughs> right? You've got to follow after the Lord. You've got to follow after Christ. Remember what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? He promises that you're going to be cared for. He says, look at the birds of the air. Your Father cares for them. Will He not so much more so care for you? And then what does He tell you to do? He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom. Follow after the Lord. Seek to honor Him. And He will provide all these things for you. He will provide all these things for you. Brethren, where else would you go? Right? Remember the disciples there in John 6? Jesus said to them, you want to leave too? You're going to leave when things get difficult? And remember what Peter says? Lord, where else are we going to go? Oh, do you trust the Lord like that, church? In the midst of difficulty, do you say, Lord, this is difficult. This is hard. This is, this is difficult to endure. But where else am I going to go? We have nowhere else to go. And why would we go anywhere else? We have such a good and gracious God here in the Scriptures. He's here to provide for you. Nothing shall you lack. Now notice how what flows out of this. These, these, two, are, are the, these two phrases. He's my shepherd. Nothing shall I lack. And then look at, what, look at what we don't lack. Physical and spiritual needs. Look at what he says in verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Green pastures, brethren. Lush. Rich. Fields good for grazing. The good stuff, brethren. He leads you to the good place. He provides for that. Provides for you. He says, He makes me lie down. You know what I didn't know? I actually learned this this week. I didn't know that. We're, you know, we're so uh, removed from a shepherding context here, but um, I learned this this week. That sheep will lie down for a few reasons. Sheep don't lie down. I didn't, I didn't know that. Uh, sheep will lie down if they are free from fear. If they're fearful, they will not lie down and rest. They will stand up. If, also, it made me think of uh, uh, giraffes. Giraffes, uh, this is really random, but there's, a, there's that, that lion habitat place here. They have a giraffe, so I learned about giraffes there. Giraffes sleep standing up. And it makes sense, because they went around in the... Um, out in the safari, you know, there's lions around, right? And you're a big giraffe, you got to sleep standing up. And they sleep like four hours a day, they're terrified. Okay, so it would make sense, right? Why? Because they're fearful. you got lions prowling around, and you're a big giraffe, you're probably not laying down, you're afraid. But, I, but same thing here with sheep. Sheep will not lie down if they're in fear. Sheep will also not lie down 
if, if, unless they are free from friction with, amongst other sheep. If there's friction amongst the sheep, they will not lie down and rest. If the sheep are in poor health or, or, or they have parasites and the such, they will not lie down if they're sick. And they will not lie down if they have need of food. So if they are free from fear, free from friction, if, if they're in good health and, 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 and no need of food, then they will lie down and rest. Brother, what are the things that cause you to lose sleep and cause you not to lie down and rest? Is it not fear? Is it not worry? Is it not you thinking, uh, where's the food going to come from? Don't those things give you anxiety when there's friction among sheep? causes you to lose sleep. When you're sick, sleep well. And in this, brethren, God provides all of these things for His children. He, he, David says, you make me to lie down. To lie down. Now, think about this. For David, Yahweh quiets his soul. If your soul is not quieted, you're not going to lie down and rest. Now, think about David's situation here. Remember David. David could lie down and sleep because Yahweh was his refuge. Remember in Psalm chapter 3? Just flip over a few verses here. Think about David here for a minute. You read book one of the Psalms, and David is in constant danger, constant pursuit of, of uh, on the run from his enemies. And you see it here in Psalm chapter 3. You see the, the, the superscription there, when he fled from Absalom his son. And he says in here, Yahweh, how many are my foes? Many are rising up against me. And then look at what he says down in verse 5. I lie down and slept. I woke again because Yahweh sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Brother, in the midst of fear, he's on the run. He can lie down and sleep. Why? Because Yahweh sustains him. Look at what he says in, in, in Psalm chapter 4, verse 8. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. Why? For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Brethren, there it is. David's soul could be quieted because he knew who God was. Brethren, do you know your God this way? Can you lay your head down and sleep because you know you have a good God? Think about what's going on in Myanmar right now. Right? And they're trusting in the Lord there. And they're laying down and sleeping and they're waking again only because Yahweh sustains them. God's a refuge for His people, brethren. He's a refuge for you. It makes you dwell in safety. In Psalm 41, 9 and 10, we, we, we read it here, or we sang it in How Firm a Foundation. That's from Psalm 41. It says in there, Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. You know what dismayed means? It means to, to, to look around anxiously. Take your eyes off of the Lord. We have, we have no need to fear. We have no need to, to look around anxiously. We can look to Christ and not fear. Why? Because He's there. He's there to provide for us. To make us lie down in green pastures. He quiets our soul. Now He says here, next, He leads me 
beside still waters. Now you have a little text note there in your Bible. You should have a little number next to the word waters. And if you, if you look at your Bibles here, you probably have a little note there at the bottom. And it says, uh, you guys see what I'm talking about in your Bibles there? A little text note next to waters. You can translate this. The Hebrew talks, says that He leads me beside waters of rest. Waters of rest or resting places. Now recall real quickly, in, in 1 Samuel 23, we don't, we're not going to go there, David's on the run from Saul. Okay, he's on the run from Saul. He's in the wilderness and he finds refuge in, in place, at, at, at a place called En Gedi. En Gedi means like a, uh, it's, it's a spring, springs of water. And it's, it's this little oasis there in the wilderness where David was cared for and provided for by the Lord as he, as he was on the run from Saul. There's a little, um, uh, remember that little, those little documentaries there on, on David? Uh, they show uh, on Right Now Media, it's like the history of Israel, and, and, and they go to En Gedi, and it's this beautiful little oasis. And uh, there's rocks you could hide in, there's a little stream going through there. Uh, a beautiful little place by these quiet, still waters of rest that David could find, and he found in En Gedi, 1 Samuel chapter 23. He knew about this. This is personal for him. But brethren, also think about this as well. When Yahweh was leading Israel through the wilderness, He was leading them to a resting place. Same word here. In Numbers chapter 10, verse 33, it says that the ark of Yahweh went ahead of the people to seek out a resting place for them. Yahweh the shepherd leading Israel through the wilderness, leading them to the place of rest, the promised land. And remember, when they came up upon the promised land, did they enter right in? Did they say, oh joy, look how lush and green this is. Let's go in and take it. No, right? You remember? They rebelled. They rebelled there at Kadesh Barnea. Numbers chapter uh, 13 and 14 there. And they did not want to enter into the green pastures that God had uh, provided for them. And they rebelled. And then in Psalm 95, verse 11, the Lord says that He swore in His wrath, they shall not enter My rest. Same word as in Psalm 23 here. Same word. God was leading them to a resting place and some of them didn't find it because of unbelief. But brethren, God is not just leading Israel to this place of rest, but He's leading all of the nations to find this place of rest. Rest. Look at Isaiah chapter 11 with me real quick. Go to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 11. You have this, uh, this beautiful prophecy about, about the righteous branch, right? The Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who was going to come. And you see that from verse 11 all the way down to 9. And you can read that on your own. But I want to look at, look at verse 10 with me. It says, In that day, the root of Jesse, this is Jesus, shall stand as a signal for the peoples. 
of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Brethren, that's what God is doing. He's not just bringing people to the promised land, brethren. That was a type and a shadow of what was to come. The ultimate resting place. We have that in Christ. That's where He's leading us, brethren, ultimately to the new heavens and the new earth, to the renewed world at the end of the age. But brethren, we have our rest in Christ, in Him. That's where He's leading you, into Himself. A place of rest where, where, where we rule with Him and we will be with Him forever, brethren. That's what it was all about. God leading Israel to the promised land. Well, what do we got to do? Go to the promised land? No. No, we have our rest in Christ. That's where He's leading us, brethren. To be with Him forever. Where there's no more fear, no more, no more tears, no more sorrows. Oh, brother, we're going to be with Him. That's where He's leading us. And where we have been led to is in Christ. That our, that our, that our soul would be quieted next to these still waters of refreshment and joy in the Lord. And then he says here, brethren, also, verse 3, He restores my soul. The Lord restores your soul. Now, you think of restored. Brethren, when something needs to be restored, it means it was damaged. It needs to be reverted back to its, to its original glory or its original beauty. You think of restored, you think of synonyms, right? Revived, renewed, right? Fixed, brought, brought into its, its, its original glory. Remember when uh, Sergio had... Uh, the uh, king, uh, kingdom furniture, what was it? Kingdom furniture? Upper room furniture? Upper room furniture. Remember what he was doing? He, was, he was, had a little business going and he would, he would uh, refurbish uh, uh, tables and, 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 and shelves and uh, dressers. I think you have one in your house, don't you? Yeah, right? So you would, he would take this, this old, dirty, beat up looking dresser and he would restore it back to its glory, back to its beauty, back to it being of good use, its intended function and purpose. And brethren, listen, this is what sin does to us. Sin breaks us. Sin dirties us. Sin causes us not to live how we have been intended to function in this world. And we need to be restored. We need to be revived. We need to be made new again. And this is what God does for us. That we, would, that we would follow after Him. That, that we would live out His intended plan for humanity. We need to be renewed, restored. Now, how does He do that? Well, a lot of ways. But in context, I want you to look at this. Look at, look at Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verse 7. Just a few psalms earlier. Listen to what David says here. David wrote this psalm. Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Same word. Restoring your life back to its original function. How, how does He do that? By the word of the Lord. By the instruction of God. The Torah of God. His instruction, the word, brethren. It is the word of God that restores you and renews you. Listen, we read this in the New Testament. To have, don't be conformed to this world, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Brother, how are you going to have your mind renewed? 
got to be in this book. The Word of the Lord, the instruction of God, revives your soul, your life, your intended purpose in life, to think God's thoughts after Him. We need to be in the Word of God to have your mind renewed. That you would see, okay, this is how I live in God's world, God's way, right here in the book. And you spend time with the Lord and, he, and, he's, and he's cleansing you and, 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 and morphing you and, 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 and conforming you into His own image through the Word of God. Brethren, do you see the Word of God this way? Do you approach the Word of God as one that is renewing and restoring your life? Don't neglect the Word of God. Don't neglect the Scriptures. This is the very means by which God uses. Don't neglect your Bible. The instruction of the Lord. It's how He restores you. He revives you. He, he brings you into the image of His Son by the Word and the Spirit and, and, and other means as well. He restores your soul. Don't neglect the Scriptures. Don't neglect them. Give yourself to them. Read your Bible, even if you don't understand all of it. Because guess what? You're not going to. Read it. Read it. Get it into your mind. Get it into your heart. Give yourself to the Scriptures as He restores your soul. Now He says here also, he leads me in righteous paths for His name's sake. Or the right path. Righteous paths, the right path, whatever, however you want to you wanna say it here, brethren. We need to be led. He leads you in the right way. God leads you in the right way, brethren. And again, if, we're, if, if, if God is leading you, how is He leading you? By His Word. Jesus said, My sheep hear My voice. I know them and they follow Me. How, how do they follow Jesus? Through His Word. Following after the Lord. Brethren, because if we were left to ourselves, we would stray away. If we had no shepherd, if we had no, no one guiding us, if you were left out on your own, you would wander off the path. But He leads you on the right path. For who? For His namesake. For His own reputation. For His own glory. For His own fame among the nations. Remember what He says in Ezekiel chapter 36? We talked about this a little while ago. That He puts His Spirit within you and causes you to walk in His ways. Why? That His name would be glorified. Brother, when you live out God's ways for you, when you live in submission to Christ, when you follow after Him, it brings God glory. <laughs> His name is glorified when you live and, and follow after Him. He does it for His namesake. Because what kind of shepherd would just let the sheep just go wherever they want on the wrong path? What kind of shepherd is that? So that would be a bad shepherd. He's a good shepherd. And He'll keep you on the right path, brethren. You've got to follow Him. Keep close to Him. He will not lose you. And that's encouraging. He will not lose you. He will not lose His own. He will keep you on the right path. Now notice also here, these next couple verses. So Yahweh, He, he, he cares for us spiritually and physically. 
our needs are met, all these good things for us here. But you know what we also don't lack? Verse 4, Yahweh's protective presence. His protective presence. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Brother, the valley of the shadow of death or the valley of deep darkness. Deep darkness, brethren. And the imagery here is simple. It's a valley and it's deep or, or it's, it's, it's dark. It represents uh, some kind of... Uh, well, one way you could see it, you can see it uh, in another light too, but of, of, of danger. Brethren, when, when, when life is at its most perilous times, danger's on the road. Danger's on the path. When fear mounts up to the extreme, Yahweh's with His people. He's with His people. He's with you. When life gets most difficult, when life is its most dangerous, He is with His people. His protective presence silences fear in times of distress, brethren. It silences fear in times of distress. Now David says he doesn't fear, not because he's strong. This is a guy that fought lions and snatched lambs out of the mouth of bears. and He mastered beasts. But that's not why he said he doesn't fear. What does he say? I don't fear why. You're with me. He's with you, brethren. Now notice something here. Notice this. In verses 1, 2, and 3... What's Yahweh doing? He's leading, right? He's leading me. He's leading beside still waters, leading to the place of rest. He's leading me in the right path. He's out in front, leading His people. His people are following Him as He's leading out. But brethren, when life gets most difficult, when, 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 when times are the most perilous for you, your God is not out in front of you leading you. He's next to you. He's with you. He's on the side of you. Comforting you. Near to you. He will not leave you or forsake you. You have a God who's a good companion. Especially when life gets difficult. And we experience that on, on, on various degrees. Various degrees. But notice that. He's not leading anymore. He's next to you. What a, what a joy that is, church. What a joy. We need a companion. We need a companion on our quest. And there's great, great comfort when you have a companion on your side, brethren. Great comfort when you have that companion. Remember Frodo? Frodo leads out on his journey to destroy the ring at Mordor. He's going to, he's going to, the Mount, he's going to Mount Doom to destroy that ring. And you know who he has on by his side? Who will never leave him or forsake him? His companion, his friend, Samwise Gamgee. Oh, what a good friend Sam was. Always with Frodo. Never would leave him. Even when Frodo went through the valleys of deep darkness of Mordor, brethren, Sam is with him. He will not leave him. And you know what? I, maybe you, don't, you, you never read these books. I know a lot of you have and seen the movies or whatever. There's a scene in there, brethren, that I think is very encouraging for us. There's a, and the movie does a great job of the book, The Lord of the Rings. 
And when Sam and Frodo, they're, they're, they're in Mordor and they're going through Shelob's lair. Shelob is this great big spider, okay? And, and Frodo gets stung. Uh, and, and Sam thinks he dies, uh, but he's not dead. He's just, he's, he's just limp, like he's, he's like paralyzed. And, and Sam thinks he's, he's dead. And you know what Sam tells Frodo? This is word for word in the book. He tells Frodo, don't you go where I can't follow you. That is the place of, through death, right? Don't, Frodo, don't go where I can't follow you. I can't follow you in death. Don't die on me. Don't die on me. He's a faithful companion. And brethren, in Christ, we have a companion that will not only never leave you or forsake you in life's most difficult times, but brethren, even in death, even in death, brethren, He will never leave you or forsake you. Nothing can separate you from your God. He will guide you right through the, through, through the river of death, right into His kingdom. What does Paul say? Not even death itself can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. Nothing. We have a better companion in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate you from Him, brethren. He is with you. He's with you. What more do we need? You know, you think of the Great Commission and you think of a monumental task like that. All right, you little flock of 12 disciples, 11 disciples, go bring the gospel to the nations. Go disciple nations. Go. Go bring this gospel. Impossible. Impossible. But what does Jesus say on this task? I am with you always to the end of the age. He's with you. He will never leave your side, brethren. Ever. The presence of our God. What more do we need? Also part of His protective presence here, brethren. He has, he has tools like any good shepherd would have. Need to have tools. Like any good man, need to have tools in your garage. At least something, right? I mean, I have tools in my little cupboard. I got, I got tools. I don't have a whole lot, but I got tools. All right? And shepherds need tools. And Yahweh has tools. He has two of them. He has a staff and he has a rod. And David says that these tools, your rod and your staff, they, they, they comfort me. Now the staff was used to, to, to protect the sheep, to strike down any beasts or predators that would come and try to, try to steal from the flock, right? When David uh, says that you know, he, he rescued uh, sheep out of the mouth of a lion, undoubtedly he used his staff. That's what shepherds would do. They would use the staff to whack beasts and crush the heads of serpents and to fight off dragons. That's what shepherds do. They have the staff to protect the sheep. So that would definitely bring you comfort. God is no coward. Shepherds are no cowards. They fight off the beast in protection of the people. Now the rod, David says, brings him comfort. Now this is a little, a little different here. Okay, so how does, what, what, what is this rod and how does this rod bring us comfort? Brethren, the rod is used in discipline. Okay, it's, it's a little shorter. You got the big staff to fight off beasts. You got the little rod, the rod of correction to keep the sheep on the path. If the sheep strayed off the path, it's called a shebet. Take the shebet, little, little smack on the butt, 
And you know what? The sheep, back in line so they don't fall off a cliff. Brethren, that is a protective comfort to God's people. You do not despise the discipline of the Lord. That's what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12 says. Don't despise the discipline of the Lord. Why? Because Yahweh disciplines the one He loves. Oh, He loves His children so much, He will discipline them. He will not let you go off the cliff. He won't let you do it. He will get out His Shabbat and he will, he, will, he will give you a little smack because He loves you. Because He loves you. It's the same thing. Parents and disciplining their children. Proverbs chapter 23, Do not withhold discipline from your child. If you strike him with the rod, same word, he will not die. He will not die. There's life in discipline. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. You'll save him or her from death. Your own children. Disciplining them because you love them. Because you don't want them to go off the edge of the cliff. What kind of shepherd just leaves his, leaves his sheep out to run off on their own? And what kind of father or mother just lets their children just run around and do whatever they want with no discipline or correction? One that doesn't love them. That's what the Lord says there in Hebrews. He loves, he loves you. The Lord loves His sheep. And brethren, the ways that He does that to us God doesn't bring down the Shabbat from heaven to give us a little smack on the, on, the, on the leg. But He often does it through God's people. Rebuking one another. Correcting one another. Teaching one another. Brethren, don't despise rebuke from your brothers and sisters. The Scriptures say that the, that the fool despises wisdom and instruction. The fool does not receive correction. Don't be a fool. When we're in air and we're walking not in step with the gospel, we have a duty and an obligation, and God uses that as a means to keep you and me on the path. When you see your brother or sister veering off the path, not walking in a way that honors the Lord, you have an obligation to tell them that's not biblical. That's not how we walk. That's not what the Scriptures teach. And you got to receive that. That's loving care for your soul. That's loving care and how God keeps you from going off of the cliff. Because when you start to despise rebuke and correction from your brother and sister, you know what you do? You get closer to the edge and closer to the edge. You say, I'm not listening to that. That offends me or whatever. Whatever have you. Then you go off the edge, brethren. That's the importance of the, of the congregation, looking out for one another. That's the means by which one of them that God will use to keep you on the path. And what a mercy that is. What a mercy that is. David says it's a good thing in the Psalms. The Proverbs say, better than uh, rebuke from a friend than kisses from an enemy. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Rebuke is better than kisses from an enemy, brethren. That's how God keeps us on the path. Now notice lastly here. And David says also that they're a comfort to him. You know what the NET says? I forgot to mention this. The NET, translate this, your rod and your staff reassure me. Reassure me of what? That I'm your child. <laughs> that you care for me and comfort me. What a joy that is. The Lord cares for His sheep. He will keep you. He will keep you. Now lastly here, 
Yahweh's provision. Look at this. Verse 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely or only goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of Yahweh forever. Brethren, Yahweh and His provision. You prepare a table before me. Brethren, who prepares tables? The servants. And here we have again God serving His people. Serving His people. Preparing a table for us. Spreading a table for you and I. This is a public blessing in front of enemies. This is, this, this is open. Open reward. You know, it's, it, it's one thing to survive a threat through the valley of deep darkness, the valley of the shadow of death. It's one thing to survive that. It's a whole nether thing to turn that into a, into a triumph, to turn that into a victory celebration. That's the idea here, brethren. A table spread before us in the presence of our enemies. This anticipates vindication, a victory celebration. Brethren, our enemies will be put to shame. God vindicates His people. We've talked about this a number of times in the book of James, right? You don't go lashing out in vengeance. You don't go taking that into your own hands. God will vindicate you. You leave wrath to the Lord. But we've got to go in prayer. And here we have this idea here. David, surrounded by enemies constantly, but he's going to be vindicated. <laughs> he's going to be exalted as king. He's going to go through sufferings before he goes into his glory. God's going to prepare a table, brethren. And we will recline at table, the Scriptures say, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the, king, in the kingdom of heaven, while the enemies will be cast out. A victory celebration prepared by the Lord. He spreads the table. Brethren, here he says also that you anoint my head with oil. Now, if you just look at this phrase, okay, you could, you could also translate this, but it sounds weird, which is why they don't translate it this way. You fatten my head with oil. You make my head fat, fattened with oil. But that just sounds strange to us in English, and so it's not translated that way. And it could be translated as, as, as anoint. But you fatten my head with oil, my cup overflows. And the idea here is one of provision, one of enrichment, one of satisfaction. God richly supplies for His people. Listen to how this word's translated in other scriptures. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Same word. His soul is is, is, is made fat. It's richly supplied. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 25. A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be fattened, will be enriched. That's the idea there. Enriched, richly supplied, cared for, providentially provided for. We have everything we need in Christ. God promises to supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ. He promises, brethren, that your cup would overflow because you trust Him. You trust Him. Trust the Lord. 
He will richly provide for you. Then lastly here, brethren, He says, Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy, His steadfast love, will follow me. This is very weak here in the English. Nick did a good job in uh, how he sang it. Pursue me. That's the idea here. Not just following you. Goodness and mercy, God's goodness, God's, God's loving kindness. It doesn't just follow you, it pursues you. This is a military term. Like you're pursuing an enemy. Like you're going after him. God's goodness and His steadfast love, His loving kindness, it comes after you. It pursues you all the days of your life. All of them. Guaranteeing that He will be with you. He will provide for you. All of it, brethren. He comes after you. He pursues you just like Ruth. Remember Ruth? Remember? She, she, she left her homeland. She told Naomi, I'm, your God's my God. Yahweh, that's my God. I'm following you, Naomi. And what happened after that? Now that she came into the fold of Yahweh. Goodness and mercy pursued her all the days of her life, brethren. She's out in the fields of Boaz and God provides for her. Her cup is overflowing. She's got all this wheat on her shoulders. And, and Naomi's going, where did, you, where did you glean today in the field? Remember that? Oh, church, goodness and the steadfast love of God pursued after Ruth. Just like it pursues after you, ensuring God's promises towards you. That's who your shepherd is. He's a good God and a gracious God. And then lastly, brethren, just real quick here, I will dwell in Yahweh's house to the end of days. Notice how the psalm started. Being led out into the field, and then where we led at the end? Back to God's house. Dwelling in God's house. What a joy that is. To be in God's house with God's people. To worship Him. That's where He's leading us. To be with Him. Remember what Jesus said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. <laughs> in His own house. Brother, He cares for you. He cares for you. What a good God we have. Leading us out providing for what we need, and then leading us back into His house forever to be with Him, to be with Him. That's the kind of shepherd we have, church. We have a good one. Trust Him. Follow Him. Seek after Him. Worship Him. That's why He brings you into His house, so we would worship Him as He serves us. Oh, what a humbling truth in Scripture. What a humbling truth in Scripture. Let's pray.